We are continuing our series called Family Matters. And today I get to uh, speak on the topic of parenting. And as I was preparing for this sermon, a couple things really hit me. And the first one was this. I've got 25-ish minutes to, to, to preach and to teach on parenting. And that's not nearly enough time. So um, hopefully, um, as I give you this fire hydrant kind of information, that this will bless you. Um, I could easily spend five, five weeks or an entire sermon series on parenting. So I realized that pretty quickly. But the second thing I realized is, and, I, and I'm sure that many of you, if your parents in here, you can relate to this, is that I am, I'm not a godly parent. You know what I mean? I, I don't live up to the expectations that God has for us. And so I humbly ask that you would um, allow me to preach um, from a place of humility, recognizing um, that I fall very short, and I'm sure that many of you can attest to this, that God has a work in us. And, and I pray that from this that, that he would just stir in us um, closer affections to Jesus Christ so that our parenting would be more godly. Okay? So in that vein, I thought it'd be nice then if I shared with you one of my many dad fails. Um, this was a couple years ago. My daughter Evie was a kindergartner. So she was in kindergarten and she got the game, the board game Clue from my mother. Anyone played Clue? You know that game? Okay, lots of hands. I asked that question in the first service and I couldn't tell if anyone was raising their hand because it was pitch black in here. So, but she got that game. I absolutely love that game. She asked me right away. She said, Daddy, would you play Clue with me? So I said, well, I'm a very competitive person. If you know me at all, I'm super competitive. And I believe that letting your kids win in anything will make them weak. So, so I said, of course I'll play with you. Now, the game, it's pretty much the same nowadays. It's a little bit different, though. They took Ms. White away, and they added Dr. Orchid, okay? It's a pink, it's a pink one, so if you have one of the newer ones, you know what I'm talking about. That was a little weird, but pretty much it's the same, and so I proceeded to dominate my daughter, my five-year-old daughter, in the game of Clue, and that's actually not the dad fail, so... Um, but a couple, a couple of days uh, later, after we played quite a few times, I thought about my childhood and how much I enjoyed watching the movie Clue. Has anyone seen the movie Clue? All right, that, that takes it back even further. I believe maybe early 80s is when that game came out. And so I thought, man, wouldn't it be a great idea if I had my daughter watch Clue with me? So I asked her and she said, yes. Um, I remember watching it as a kid. I'm like, it's got to be good. And so we watched it and um, we watched it and we watched it every day for about five days. Um, so she loved it. But I came home from work um, uh, a little bit later and my wife, as soon as I walk in the door, she goes, Ryan, no more watching Clue. Why? Well, got a call from Evie's kindergarten teacher. They had an assignment to write what it is that they like. And Evie decides to write, I like watching Clue with my dad because of all the murdering. <laughs> that one didn't go over so well. And so um, needless to say, we've not watched Clue since then. And I'm pretty sure her kindergarten teacher thinks that I am a crazy pastor that doesn't really know what he's doing. But it was, it was one of, of my many dad fails. And if you've ever been a parent, then you've come to this conclusion. You know that parenting is hard. It's so very hard. And I'm sure that many of you can relate in whatever circumstance you might find yourself this morning. Maybe, 
Maybe you're a parent of a young child and you're just trying to figure out how to get your child to sleep through the night. Just trying to figure out how to get your child to eat. I know I'm still doing that with my seven-year-old. Maybe you're a parent of a teenager. Maybe your son has just figured out uh, the opposite sex. Maybe um, your child really doesn't want to spend as much time with you anymore. Maybe they spend more time on their phone than they do on their schoolwork. Maybe they seem to be making bad choice after bad choice. Maybe you're a parent of an adopted child or you're a, a parent uh, in the foster care system and you, you feel like you've got a child that just has their guard up a lot with you still. Maybe you don't even know how long you'll have them if you're a foster parent. Maybe you've been trying to adopt for so long and time and finances just seem to be running out. Maybe your stepfather or stepmother here this morning, and you've just stepped into this crazy whirlwind of parenting, and you just don't, you just don't know what your, your, your new stepson or stepdaughter might say. Maybe you've even heard some of the worst things that could be said, like you're not my real dad or you're not my real mom. Maybe you're the parent of an adult They've moved out of town to a different state, maybe across the country, and you just never see them anymore. Or maybe you've got such a broken relationship with them that they won't allow you to see your grandkids. Maybe they've also too made so many bad choices that the brokenness that you see them seeing them is just breaking your heart as a parent. Maybe you don't have kids at the moment and you've been trying for oh so long. Maybe you've lost a child. You've gone through the hardest thing that any parent could go through. And that hole in your heart just will never be filled. Maybe you're single or you're a student, and from your perspective, your parents, man, it was so broken and so messed up that you just don't know how you would even want to be a parent. In fact, they never made any choices that were in your best interest set such a bad example in your mind that you're fearful that you're going to grow up and maybe make the same mistakes. Parenting is hard. It's hard. So wherever you find yourself, along that spectrum of everything I just spoke about, we all have parents or had parents at some point in our lives. Many of us are or will be or will act as parents at some point in our lives. And wherever you are, wherever you are, I would encourage you to relish your role as father, mother, stepfather, stepmother, grandfather, grandmother, son, daughter, and everything in between. And know this, that parenting is hard, but it's also so, so good. If you have your Bibles with you, I'd love for you to open up to Genesis chapter one. We're gonna start in verse 27. You can also open up your smartphone. You can take a look at the the Bible and the pew back in front of you. And as you're turning there, um, I just want to kind of set the stage. I typically like to open up a passage of Scripture and really exposit that Scripture and go kind of verse by verse. But today, I'm giving more of an overview. Um, Like I said, I think we could do a whole sermon series just on parenting. But I'm going to give an overview. So we're going to be jumping from place to place this morning as we give give some information about parenting, but I really hope to provide a biblical foundation in regard to parenting. And maybe for some of us, whether or not you're just 
you're, you're a child of a parent or you're a parent yourself, I really hope uh, to provide a biblical foundation to help us refocus, refocus on what parenting truly is. And if you got a listening guide, I'd love for you to open that up, take a few notes, um, and, and just jump on this ride as we get ready to go. I want to share with you three truths about parenting. These, of course, aren't exhaustive, but I think that they're very important. The first one is this. Parenthood is created by God. Parenthood is created by God. I think this is intuitive for many of us, but do we really know this? Do we really live this out? Let's read from Genesis chapter one, starting in verse 27. It says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. He repeats himself there, right? Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So it's so very important for us to recognize and understand that parenthood is not something that man created. It was established by God right after he created man. And under this umbrella, this idea that parenthood is created by God, I want to draw your attention to a few things that we can often forget. God created Adam and Eve, and he did not stop there. It's easy for us to think, okay, he created Adam and Eve, and because of that, then they created their children, and their children created their children, so forth, and your parents created you. And of course they did in a, in a literal sense. But it's important for us to understand that God created every single person that has ever lived, that is living now, and will ever live. It says here in these verses that God created Adam and Eve in his own image, and he created you in his image as well. It's affirmed throughout the entire Bible. Jer Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. God tells this to Jeremiah. Before I formed you, in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14, David writes, God is saying this to him, or David's saying this about God. For you, for you, God, formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. And again, this, this truth is affirmed in the New Testament, but one I'll draw your attention to is James chapter three, verse nine. Here, speaking about the tongue, James says this, with it, with the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who were made in the likeness of God. Now, why is this important? It's paramount that we understand that God created everyone. It's paramount when we think about the, th the sanctity of life. It's paramount when we think about children in a mother's womb. It's paramount in how we view our own kids. It's paramount in how we help kids understand that they have value. In student ministry, I'm constantly telling students, especially students that are struggling with, struggling with self-worth and value, that you are created in the image of God, in the likeness of God. This is so important for us. God created parenthood. God created our kids. And God did this by crafting each one of us in his image. We must understand that first. But we also see here in Genesis 1 that God desires people to have children. It says to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. 
It's important for us to understand that God desires parenthood to be within the context of marriage. Here between a man and a woman is, is the way in which God designed it. In this passage, God created Adam and Eve. He blesses them and he tells them to go and fill the earth. So simultaneously, God created parenthood and procreation. It's mandated here. It's also mandated again um, after the flood with Noah. And from this, we see that children are then a blessing from the Lord. In Psalm 127, it says that children are a heritage from the Lord, from the Lord. I love this illustration. It says that they're like arrows in the hand of a warrior, and blessed is the man who has his quiver filled with them. For all you hunters out there, you know, this is a passage that you can use to say, hey, I need to fill my quiver with so I can go out and do bow hunting or something like that. I don't do it, but it sounds good. Um, this morning, we, we, uh, we were gonna actually celebrate some baby dedication. Because of everything that happened, we weren't able to do that. And uh, I just think it's so cool how we do that here. We, we have parents that bring their children, bring their babies before the Lord and dedicate them to the Lord. And, and I recognize that, that that is their choice to do that. But in all actuality, it's important for us to understand that they are already his. They're already his. Not in a way of salvation. I don't mean that because I believe that every person needs to come into an understanding of faith and have a saving faith in Jesus Christ and respond to the gospel. But I do mean it in a way that God is their creator. God is their king. God has dominion over their lives. He is ruler over all and Lord of all. So it's important for us as a biblical understanding to have a foundation that parenthood is created by God. So let me ask you this, do you understand this truth? Do you really understand it? Not, not just up here, but has your heart been enlightened to this? Because if it has, then you will view parenthood as a huge responsibility, but also as a huge blessing. That's the first truth. The second truth I wanna share with you this morning is, is that parenthood is not supreme. Parenthood is not supreme. In order to unpack this truth, I wanna look at a couple different places in scripture. Um, Two that kind of seem to have a tension, but actually I think work beautifully together. The first is before the fall of man, before sin has entered the world. So just flip a few pages forward to Genesis chapter 2, verses 18. It's here that we find um, God saying this. It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. And in the following verses, we're reminded that God has intended for man and woman to uh, be married together, to leave their father and mother, hold fast to one another and be united in holy matrimony as one. I, I love these verses as we read them typically at, and when we officiate weddings. Um, but if we look forward to the New Testament and we read some things from Paul, we'll see that, that this is not supreme. Yes, of course, marriage is God honoring. Parenthood is God honoring. It is amazing. In fact, parenthood and marriage are two of the most wonderful things in my life and God loves it, desires it, and it's God honoring, but it's not supreme. What do I mean by that? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 7 and start in verse seven. Here, the apostle Paul, he speaks of his singleness. He speaks of his singleness. And in verse seven, we read this about his singleness. I wish that all were as I myself am single. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. And in verse 26, he talks about it again, says, I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. 
So here Paul is stating that it's good to be single. It's often easy for us as Christians to think that parenthood and marriage is the ultimate thing. But scripture doesn't teach it. While having children is a wonderful thing, a beautiful thing, an important part of marriage, having children is not supreme. Therefore, and I think this is really important, listen in on this. Therefore, if you are married without children, know that your marriage is no less a blessing or no less pleasing to God than those that are married with children. If you are unable to biologically have children, you are no less pleasing to God than those that are able to biologically have children. If you are called to be single, you are no less pleasing to God than those that are called to be married. It's very important for us to understand that. Now, finally, with the time I've got left, um, I'd love for you to turn over to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to spend a good majority of our time in in verses 1 through 4, and here we'll unpack the third truth this morning. Parenthood is created by God. Parenthood is not supreme. However, parenthood is so, 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 so very crucial. It is the context in which God has made for us to primarily raise up our kids to know Jesus Christ. So it's so crucial. Let's read Ephesians chapter six, verses one through four. It says this, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let me give you some context for these verses before we go any further. The last 12 verses of Ephesians chapter five, Paul beautifully talks about what marriage should look like, um, how this practically looks for wives and for husbands. And if I could give you one great takeaway, um, there are so many, if I could give you one great takeaway from those verses about marriage, it would be this. The point of marriage is not to point people to your relationship with your spouse. The point of marriage is to point people to the relationship between Christ and the church. In light of that, and in light of the fact of what we've already talked about, that God created parenthood, I would say this about parenthood. The purpose of having children is not just to fill the earth. The purpose of having children is to fill the earth with more followers of Christ. It's very important for us today. So how do we do that, though? How do we help in our parenting, in our home life, in our families, create and more followers of Christ? Well, let me give you a few observations and takeaways from Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. First is this. Obedience from children to parents is grounded in the Lord and not in the parents. Obedience from children to parents is grounded in the Lord and not in the parents. I think a good way actually to read verse one would be to think about it like this. In the Lord, children, obey your parents. Sometimes we think, you know, that we need to have parents that are in the Lord, but it's children, obey your parents in the Lord. In the Lord is the primary part of that verse. So if you're a child, It is the Lord's ways that should guide your obedience to your parents. And on the same token, parents, this is a reminder that you should not be asking obedience from your children if you are not asking that obedience in the Lord. I know at my household, it's easy for me to say, hey, kids, this is what we're doing. And it's because Ryan said so. You know what I mean? But it should be grounded in the Lord. So important for us to understand. Next, though, we see here that obedience comes before honor. 
Obedience comes before honor. Of course, this is a reference here in verse two to honor your father and mother coming from the Old Testament where Moses received the 10 commandments. It says here that it's the first with a promise. Um, I think it's important that when our kids are young, so if you've got young kids really hone into this, that we should teach obedience first. I believe that from a proper grounding in obedience, Lord willing, that will lead to your children honoring you as father and mother. Right now, my kids are seven and three. And I will tell people, and I'll tell my wife this as well, that I don't care as much if my kids like me so much as I care that I am helping them to grow up in the Lord. That's a hard thing to say. But I'd rather them not like me and love the Lord than like me and not know the Lord. Just a quick word of grace to some of you who may have adult children. If you have brought your kids up to obey um, the Lord, to obey you in the Lord, and now that they're adults, you don't feel as though they honor you. In fact, maybe they've strayed in some sense. I would say that when what is ideal is lacking, grace abounds. Grace abounds in that. So continue to love on your kids. Continue to pray for your kids. And don't lose heart in that circumstance. But to that point, I would say this next, that honor for your parents, it does not have an age limit. Honor for your parents does not have an age limit. And parenting your kids, guess what? Doesn't have an age limit either. Doesn't have an age limit. To the children here this morning, and when I say children, that means that you have parents. So you could be 55 and be a, be a child. To the children here this morning, if you, if you have a strained relationship with your parents, I would encourage you to seek reconciliation in the Lord. Show honor to your parents, even though they may not deserve it. Show honor to them. If nothing else, this attempt of peace will show your obedience to Jesus Christ and how you want to honor and love them. Seek reconciliation, and maybe, just maybe, that will spark something in their life and the Holy Spirit might work on their heart. Next, men do not have the sole responsibility in leading their families, but they do have the primary one. Men do not have the sole responsibility in leading their families, but they do have the primary one. Notice that we start off in verse one and verse two, it says to obey your parents. It says to honor your father and mother collectively. But when we get to verse four, what happens? Paul specifically addresses fathers at this point. In our culture, most families leave the discipline to the mothers. Scripture says that discipline, though, is handled best and received best by children when it's the father that does the disciplining. In chapter 5 of Ephesians, it tells us how the husbands are supposed to be the head of the household. I know for me that this is really a kick in the pants, right? It means we need to step up. How do we do this, though, fathers? Listen in if you're a father here this morning. First thing is, is to not provoke your children to anger. Anybody struggle with that? Go ahead and raise your hand up really. And I'm just kidding. But we, we struggle as fathers not provoking our kids to anger. Let me tell you a quick story. Dad fail number two here this morning. Um, I just finished preparing this message on, on Thursday. All right, I feel really great about it. I go home. My wife has a meeting that evening. All right, I prepare dinner for the kids. Everything's going beautifully. And then it's bath time. And with a seven-year-old and a three-year-old, bath time is awful. 
It's just bad. But I was doing great. Got Roman, my three-year-old, in the bath. Got him out. Um, get him ready to start brushing his teeth while my daughter is seven. She's getting her ready in the bath. Everything seems to be going good. Next thing I know, water starts filling the ground in the bathroom. And I have socks on, which is lovely, right? So my feet are soaking wet. I think, and I look over at Evie, and I think that she's overflowing the bathtub. It's not it. Come to find out, the water's pouring out of underneath the sink, all right? So I found out later on, as my wife got home, that she had been working on the sink, which is probably another dad fail that I don't do any of the housework. I like the, you know, the, the fixing stuff, but she loves to do that. Anyways, getting off topic here. Um, but she was working on the sink and the drain, she had undone the drain to the sink and left the door open so that I would know not to use the sink. But you've got a seven-year-old and a three-year-old and the door was shut. So I had no idea. So not only was it not bath water, it was sink water with toothpaste all in the sink water. So I start to go get towels, clean everything up. And Roman now still doesn't have clothes on yet. And so he's running around all over the place. Evie's getting out of the bathtub and they both just come directly up to me and start asking questions like kids do, right? I say, Evie, stop talking to me. That didn't go over well with her, but she proceeds to get all her clothes on, help Roman get his clothes on. They go downstairs to start cleaning up. And this is what I hear Evie tell Roman. Roman, stop talking to me. Dad fail. I realized though that me provoking, me you having anger provoked my daughter to anger. Immediately, immediately she repeated that. I had to go downstairs and tell Evie that we don't talk like that. Daddy should not have spoken like that. Had to apologize. Fathers, we have a tendency to get angry when our authority is questioned, when respect isn't given. We tend to abuse our authority a lot of times. But I like to say this, that we are sinful authority over sinful subordinates. And so that stuff happens. Some of you fathers in here, you may think that you can never show weakness to your kids. I would disagree. I would say that in our weakness is when Christ is most magnified. You can teach your kids so much more by going to apologize to them and being weak in front of them than you can by screaming at them. So let's not provoke our children to anger. But the second thing is to discipline and instruct them in the ways of the Lord. There's an old Chinese proverb, I love it. It says this, one generation plants the tree and another gets the shade. One generation plants the tree and another gets the shade. Fathers, we have this privilege, we have this responsibility to discipline and instruct our kids in the ways of the Lord. Not so that our household can be nice and neat. Not so that other people can look at us and be like, man, he's a good parent. You know what I mean? But for them, so that they might know Jesus Christ and grow in Jesus Christ. How awesome and how important is that for us? Parents, I would tell you this. You have the greatest influence in your child's life. Especially if you have a child at home, you have the greatest influence in your child's life. There was an extensive study done of 272,400 teenagers. It was done by USA Today Weekend Magazine. They found this. 70% of teens identified their parents as the most influential person in their lives. Most influential people in their lives. 70%. 21% said it was their friends. 8% said it was the media. Even though they may not be thinking, letting you know that you're influential in their lives, you are. 
You're the most influential person in their lives. Therefore, friends, guess what? Parenthood is crucial for you to discipline and instruct your kids in the ways of the Lord. God made parenthood as the primary way in which we fill the earth. Well, obviously the only way in which we fill the earth, right? But not just with more babies, but that we would fill the earth with more people so that those people would then be able to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I pray regularly that both my kids would one day come into an authentic, intimate relationship with Jesus. Pray it regularly, every day. Guess who has the greatest privilege and the greatest responsibility to tell them about Jesus? Me, my wife. Parenthood is crucial. It's the way in which God intended us as families to grow up our kids in the way of the Lord. But as I finish out this morning, as we get ready to uh, close, um, I just want to address some of you that, that you, you may not be parents yet. Maybe you're, you're doing things a bit differently. Again, I said earlier, wherever, wherever ideal is not there, grace abounds. So I would encourage you in that. Maybe, maybe you'll never have children, but you are a child. And if you know Jesus Christ, you're a child of God, and he loves you. Please know this. You too have a great responsibility to point other people to Jesus. I want so many loving people that love Jesus. If you're an adult and you love Jesus, I want you to be around my kids. That's why I love student ministry and kids ministry so much and and all the wonderful leader volunteers over there. I want as many Jesus-loving adults around my kids as possible. And so I would encourage you with that. Point kids, point children, point everyone to Jesus Christ. May we fill the earth with children, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, friends. May we point them to Jesus Christ. May they know him as Lord and Savior. May they all become worshipers of God.